Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn fully, didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we not only forget our own intro that we've done like a hundred <laughs> times at this point. Which is really ironic considering my topic that I'm not going over today. <laughs> but we also uh, saw some goats today. I posted a picture on our Instagram uh, for you all to see. Basically, the area we live in, one of the parks has decided that they are going to clean out all of the invasive weeds, which goes back to an episode Austin did a month ago, give or take. Like a, a while ago. We're in, what, episode 98 right now? Yeah, this is 98. So about episode 94-ish, he talks about lawns. So they're basically going through getting rid of all the invasive species that are in their weeds, not animals and whatever, with No, goats. these goats have machine guns. They're getting rid of all the invasive, invasive species. <laughs> yeah, so there are all these goats like walking around and they're eating everything. Uh, we talked to the person who runs the company and they did say that they do hire out to yards the size of ours. But so far, the city has said no to people who have asked. So hopefully this will show them like, look, it's non-destructive and a backyard like ours could be done in two days. So I know. And also, we love goats. We got married at a petting zoo because I love goats so much that I wanted to um, have an excuse to go to a petting zoo as a grown up. And immediately after the ceremony, immediately, I ran down to the baby goat pen in my wedding dress and got down with the goats. We have lots of pictures of goats trying to eat her dress. Yes, it was it was a great day. And also I got married. Yep. The goats were the highlight. Even I'll admit that. Uh huh. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like that's like the highlight of our week. And that's really been. Yeah, we watched Friday the third. No, that was last week. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that's the one we watched. We watched Nightmare on Elm Street because I'd never seen it before, and it's brilliant. And it's exactly what that kind of horror movie should be. So I've now hit all of the classics except for Rosemary's Baby. Still can't believe and you haven't seen so Rosemary's So there's, there's, you know, classics in all the different genres. And so we've gotten through the camp classics, like literal and figurative, but campy. <laughs> we've gotten through the really good classics like The Omen and The Exorcist and Psycho. And Halloween. And ha Halloween's campy. I still think it's good. Oh, I didn't say it wasn't good. It's campy, though. Anything that has to show boobs that many times is campy. Yeah. But so I've just got Rosemary's Baby left and then I'm, I've got all of them done. And then I get to decide which of the campy series I want to go through, which is the Halloween, by the way. I want to start with Halloween. All right. Excellent. So that's the excitement of our lives right now. Yeah. And oh, and if you're uh, listening to us from someplace oh, that's go, go ahead. about to get hit by a hurricane, like, good luck. Uh, this is a good use of your battery power. If it's limited, just listen to us. We might give you good advice that could save your lives. So we probably won't. Uh. Other than, hey, maybe stop listening to us for the moment and get to a safe place where you can charge your phone or whatever device before listening to us. Because honestly, we're not that important compared to your life. I don't think that's true. So we yeah, um, Austin, I'm going to be kicking him off the show here because your five-star <gasps> review is more important than you listening to the show right now. <laughs> uh, the other thing. Don't forget, if you haven't listened yet, we were on Mythstery a couple of weeks ago talking about the squonk. And my episode of Story Shout came out, I believe, the same day as last week's episode. And you get to find out my first name, which is Sarah. <gasps> I finally know her first name. I've been this entire time. I'm assuming it was something like weird, like Brunhilda. I wish I'd go by that. I, I would rock that Actually, name. Brunhilda is a pretty awesome name. Um, and I only mention it here instead of sending you straight over there to find out because the episode title is something like Sarah sucks at sleeping. 
And so I didn't want it to be confusing and have you be looking for baddie. So Sarah sucks at sleeping. That's me. Sarah with an H. I spell it correctly. <laughs> but yes, uh, still call me Maddie. I, I like Maddie. Yeah. Just call her call her by her name, which is Maddie, I guess. I don't know. I'm tired. Yeah, it's... There's been something about this week's been exhausting. Yes. I think it's the heat index of 107 we've had. Yeah. So go ahead and get started for us. All right. So I got a, I got a fun one this week. And um, first off, hello, fellow millennials. This one's going to hurt you <laughs> a lot. Hello, fellow kids. Because if you're like me, uh, the movie Free Willy spoke to you as a child. I remember him standing on the rocks and the whale jumping, was it over him or next yep. to him? Or right over him. While a Michael Jackson song played. While a Michael Jackson song played. So for those of you who are not familiar with this 1993 classic. Classic. Which, by the way, got overshadowed by, there were so many good movies in 93. 93, uh, let's see, 93, was that also uh, Hocus Pocus? And Jurassic Park. And Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. I, I could just be making all of this up. I don't know, but it was the same year as Jurassic Park, which spoke to me even more. I know more. for a fact that I saw Hocus Pocus and um, Free Willy in the same movie theater. It was the one that had the curtain, remember? Yeah. That was so... It's a gym now. Like, yeah. fuck that. It's still, it's still a theater, but it's a gym now. So fuck that noise. Gross. But yeah, I saw both of them, which is why I'm, I might be thinking they happened the same year. So anyway, this movie... It's about a punk-ass orphan who vandalizes a place, so he gets community service, and while he's doing his community service, he meets a punk-ass orphan killer whale. <laughs> so the kid starts to bond with this whale via him, the kid playing a harmonic for the whale, and the whale coming up and singing back at him, so they become best friends. Austin knows that I am obsessed with videos of people playing their instruments for animals, like the guy playing his violin for belugas. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but like, you know, in the 90s. And so this kid, like, starts hanging out with this whale. So then Hocus Pocus was 1993. You know I had to check. Yeah. So this, the kid. And so was Nightmare Before Christmas. I am the best. You are the best. It's like, oh my God, our childhoods were formed by the movies of one year. Well, no, wait, wait, wait. When was Sandlot? 1993. <laughs> I'm checking. I'm checking. I, Keep talking. I'm completely making this up. So this kid, he ends up falling into his tank and the whale saves his life. And after that, they're inseparable, and the kid starts training this whale, who was sold and dejected and wouldn't do anything. But they form this bond, so the whale starts doing tricks for this kid. Austin, what year did the Sandlot come out? 1993. 1993? <laughs> Guys, 1993, we should have just stopped making movies. <laughs> we hit our peak. <laughs> oh my. So they, they, he starts doing tricks, so this whale that wouldn't do any tricks before is now doing tricks. And it's great for the kid and the whale and his trainer, who was played by some actress who was in a lot of weird stuff. Uh -huh. She was she was uh, the the crazy woman with the glasses in Orange is the New Black. Uh, the blonde one? Yeah. Oh, the one who played Patty Mayonnaise in Doug. Yes. Yeah. Just her. She was in it. Austin's never watched Doug. Never seen it. I have the entire series. I'm going to make him watch it later. He's a, like something about it freaks him out. Even it's though I've told weird. him about Quail Man, and he doesn't seem to be on board for some reason. It's just too weird for me. But the greedy park owner wants to sell this whale to the Japanese so they can eat his whale meat. That is not how that works. No, it's not, but that's how it works in this movie in 1993. So the kid and his foster parents... And the trainer all, like, team up and load this whale onto a trailer and drive him off to the ocean. But they almost stop them in the bay and they're trying to, like, close off with nets. And it's like, oh no, 
how is Willie going to get out of here? Instead of jumping over the nets, they jump over a causeway where the kids <laughs> jump, leads him to jump over it. And this whale makes like a 60 foot jump. <laughs> now, killer whales are impressive creatures. I don't think they're magic. This no. is not like the bus in Spice World. It is not like the bus in Spice World. And then he goes off and he swims away with his new orca family that's out there for some reason. He just immediately meets some other orcas. It's like, hey, buddy, let's go swim together. And they just swim off to do whale things. Along with one lonely narwhal. What kind of whales are those? those belugas? Belugas, the yeah. lonely narwhal. And Michael Jackson uh, sang the theme song. What was the theme song? Uh, I don't remember it, but it was like... You ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Yep. See, Austin, this is why I think your other topic, you could have completely pulled off doing the entire thing in song. I could. My ukulele's right there. Want me to try and sing the rest of this? Yes, I would like you to. Well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Hand me the ukulele. I'll make you sing. Damn it. No, I refuse. So this movie made my entire grade want to be marine biologists for like a solid week, which, you know, we were like eight at the time. So that's like a pretty solid, like, this was a good movie because we all wanted to do this. Yeah. And there are still like a lot of our generation actually did go into marine biology. I don't know if it's because of this movie specifically or because other movies about the horrors of, you know, the ocean came out in the years following and how we all, because of the ocean, cut our soda cans even to this day. Like you see me do it yeah. every time. You also see me do it with the packaging for the water bottles that are not mm -hmm. the circles. It's just the ring. Yeah. Okay, we all do that now. And like this movie, like I had a friend who went to SeaWorld and got to see the killer whales. Mm -hmm. and I was jealous for like years about this. I've and been to SeaWorld. I was I was like willing to do anything to go to SeaWorld and my family. We, we never went to SeaWorld. I've I've been to SeaWorld. I have, in fact, been splashed by by the killer whales. Wow. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, you look at it now as an adult and knowing what was happening then and go, oh, yeah. Now, SeaWorld does still exist. And I believe they have been monitored more stringently ever since Blackfish. Yeah, they've made some changes. Um, because I don't believe most people who become marine biologists and end up working at SeaWorld are they're like, yes, I want to hurt these killer whales. Like people don't in general mm -hmm. go into fields with that. But then there's also the guy who had sex with the dolphin repeatedly. So yeah, there's weird. There are fucked up people out there. Yeah, leave the dolphins alone, bro. Now this segment's not going to be about SeaWorld, even though SeaWorld does have problems. They've got some pretty serious problems. I can't talk about what SeaWorld does now because I don't know. Yep. But I'm just going to talk about killer whales instead. And I'm so sorry, everyone who loved this movie and loves killer whales, and about the fact that they are just mini bust-sized Hannibal Lecter's psychopaths swimming around the ocean, killing everything. Didn't your cousin-in-law, like, she was able to watch them out of her office window. Like, she had pictures that she yeah. post because they would just swim on by her office. Yeah. And it was like, and it wasn't the ocean. It was like a river between parts of the ocean or something. Yeah, it's, uh... I don't remember what the word is. I think it's an inlet. Yeah. They were just chilling outside of her, outside of her office, which, yeah, you know... Yeah, she'd see the killer whales go by. And they, uh, they were probably actually uh, chasing dolphins in there in order to kill them and eat them. The dolphins were just trying to get to their human lovers. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And firstly, killer whales have no natural predators. Oh, wait, no, I read about one. I told you this the other day. What was Man it? Man is the only really thing that kills them. I read about something the other day and I said it to you. I can't remember what it was now. Maybe it was killer whales or the beluga's only natural predators. Yeah, the killer whales are the beluga's only natural okay, predators. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Okay. And uh, yeah, the only thing that, act that, that kills them is people. So I guess fuck you, nature. We win. <laughs> Soylent green coming yep. after them. But in the natural world, there's nothing that can stop them. They can do whatever they want. Can they be eaten by one of those really big blue whales? No. I'm going to get into that. And I'm just going to list off some of the shit they do because 
they do lots of things. I'm just going to start off with one of the big ones. They torture seals. Yes, they do that. And we're not just in a, we eat you for food way. It's like they will stun a seal and then they will use a living seal as a ball. Mm-hmm. And it's like they just play this weird little orca game in which they will... No, they're incredibly smart. They'll kind of swim up next to a seal, whack it with their tail so it's stunned. And then they'll like get up a little bit of speed and they'll hit it as hard as they can and send a still living seal flying into the air about 80 feet. Like it's incredibly upsetting to visualize, but you also, at the same time, if you think about it, that shows a lot of sentience and a yeah. lot of intelligence for these psychopathic animals. And this seal manages to be alive for a few tosses before it finally dies and they eventually stop hitting it when it ceases to be a thing that can be thrown anymore. They just disintegrate it. They don't even eat it. It just becomes a mess. Although in fairness, that's kind of what cats do when there's mouse, mice in the house. Yeah. It, the whales will do the same thing to dolphins, penguins, porpoises, and sea turtles. And people if they can, I bet. No. Not even a child standing at the edge? Not even a child standing at the edge. And, uh, a wildlife ph photographer actually compared killer whales playing with the sea turtle before they ate it like to being like dogs running around with a bone that didn't want to share but wanted to show off that they had it and uh ronald Pittman, a marine ecologist with noah says it isn't uncommon for orcas to keep prey alive for up to half an hour oh. letting it go and catching it again and again before killing it and it is a part of how they practice their hunting skills very similar to cats very similar to serial killers in the 1970s yeah, and they'll do this. And you were talking about, like, can blue whales eat them? No, because killer whales will kill and eat blue whales. Whoa. Uh, earlier this year, a whale watching tour off the coast of Australia witnessed about 70 orcas ganging up to kill a blue whale. And blue whales are endangered. Yes, they are. Orcas are not? Orcas are not. Uh, now, for some context here, the blue whale is not only the largest animal living right now, it's the largest animal to exist on Earth ever. And two pods of orcas worked together to chase and tire out a 52-foot-long blue whale. Uh, they would just kind of swim in shifts to batter, bite, and strike at it to keep it moving and wear it out. And, like, what are you supposed to do as that whale tour guide, you know? Like, yeah. You're gonna like you're gonna get a lot of complaints because people complain when they don't see dolphins and whales on these tours, be, like like they have control over it. Oh man! So you know they're getting complaints about this. I feel like if we saw this on a whale watching tour, we would be traumatized. I would be so excited. It's like holy shit, traumatized. this is amazing. Like this is a rare like thing that traumatized. we don't witness often. So yeah, um, Austin is um, Austin wants wants domination over the ocean, while I want my body thrown into the ocean when I die, so I can become part of the natural ecosystem because i'm already dead this seems unnatural to me like these there's too much sentience happening this is like when that mob of people chased richard ramirez down except yeah. this poor whale didn't do anything i mean we don't know what this whale did or didn't do but the chase went on and more and more pods of killer whales started to show up as they heard the noise of this happening and so they all joined in and helped chase it down and they chased it in some shallower water that was only about 200 feet deep where um, after a few hours they finally took out the whale and they shared the meat amongst the various orca pods. The whale watchers only knew it was over because of a massive spreading bubble of blood yeah. and a single bit of blubber, blubber that floated up to the surface. Everything else was eaten. Poor thing. And this is just one way that these killer whales will feed on things because orcas are in every ocean in the world. 
Mm-hmm. They are mostly in northern waters, but they're everywhere. And part of the reason they've been able to spread so far is they've developed lots of different hunting strategies for different places and different prey. They're very adaptive pre- predators, and that's part of why they've been able to spread so far and be everywhere. Like, they don't depend on a single food source. Like, for example, uh, the cheetah lives only in one area in the grassy plains, and it only eats the Thompson the gazelle, which it is very specialized to be able to run fast enough to catch. Now, it's a good strategy, but it leads them, like, if something happens to their prey population, or, like, if anything goes wrong, they've got one food source. If there's a problem, they will starve to death pretty easily, which is why, you know... <laughs> kind of like me, I only have one food source. <laughs> it's named Austin, because I do not cook. Uh, he yeah. has asked me many times how I'd managed to not get scurvy before I married him. The answer is, we don't know. Um... I, I've lived alone and I make excellent macaroni and cheese. And again, yeah, killer whales are one of the most adaptable predators in the world. It's really impressive all the ways they've figured out how to murder things. That's all I want. Like, for example, uh, the orcas at SeaWorld will place fish that they've been fed on the lips of their pools in order to lure in like seagulls and birds who will try and come to eat the fish. And when it gets close, they will kind of jump out of the water and grab it and eat the bird. Mm-hmm. So they're using bait to catch birds. Are they? Okay. Orcas versus dolphins. Which one is smarter? Orcas. Really? Yeah. Now, are you just saying that because they kill dolphins? Because dolphins are just significantly smaller. Oh, yeah. They, I'm just saying it because they kill dolphins. Because, like, you know, we can't say, you know, I don't know, a bear is smarter than a human. We're just smaller than a bear. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've been seen mimicking dolphin sounds in order to lure in dolphins to kill and eat them. That's very sad. Uh, they will work in groups to make waves large enough to flip over ice flows in icy waters. Wait, do that, they eat polar bears? Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did because I'll, I'll talk about some other stuff later. Uh, they work in groups to make waves large enough to flip over ice flows and knock seals and penguins into the water while one who is waiting underneath it will be able to like run up and grab it. And sometimes, again, they'll let it get back on several times so they can practice knocking the seal off of the like, ice seriously, flow. Seriously, this sounds like cats with mice. Yeah, it is very much like cats with mice, but they are large, cute animals eating small, also cute animals. Well, comp- again, cats and mice. Mice yeah. are cute. This is one of the like crazier things. They will actually, they've learned to swim sideways in shallow water to keep their dorsal fins underwater, which is the big fin coming out of their back. Mm-hmm. That way they can sneak up on seals who are on the shore and then they can, they've learned to time it with a wave where they can swim up with the wave and intentionally beach themselves to grab a seal. And once they've grabbed it, they can scooch themselves back into the water. So you're not even safe on land from killer whales. I had a question that I lost it. They will actually herd fish, dolphins, etc. into shallow bays. So that way it'll be easier to catch them. And they'll just work as a group and just have like a big feeding frenzy of, we caught all these things here, let's eat them. Okay, so you said they don't go after people. They don't go after people. Okay, but we know that we believe that sharks go after people when they think we're seals because we're on surfboards. Do we confuse orcas or are they too smart for that? I think they're too smart for that. Do we just taste bad? I've got an entire section on this. You're getting ahead of me. Uh, They've even been found eating moose and deer. Okay, now this isn't as weird as it sounds because moose do swim. They'll eat aquatic plants. And they've also been found like swimming between islands in the ocean, which is how they get from island to island in Alaska. Okay, Austin. Yeah. Austin theory. You know how you said these guys were in every ocean? Mm-hmm. And you know how Bigfoot is usually near an ocean? Is Bigfoot just Sasquatch? Wait, is Bigfoot just a what if Bigfoot? 
No, what if bi- the reason we haven't found dead Bigfoots is because they throw them in the ocean when they know killer whales are there. Maybe they have an agreement with orcas. Ooh, maybe they ride them around. I don't think orcas would be on board with that. I remember what I was going to ask. Why did the whale and free willy have the broken dorsal? I can't remember. Oh, uh, we're not entirely sure on that, but they think uh, whales in the wild constantly will have like their dorsal fin hit by waves, which helps keep it rigid and like the muscles tent- taut. But the ones in captivity, they're not having that pressure, so their dorsal fin just kind of starts to sag. Oh, I thought that's because exercised. that one was in captivity. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's when they're in captivity, they just don't have the waves hitting it, so it just sags. Oh, okay. I I understood that the opposite direction. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's why it's all curvy in the ones in the captivity. They think, not completely sure, but yeah, they're uh, so moose do swim. And we've seen them eating moose before, but we don't know if moose is a regular part of their diet, if it's just an opportunistic, hey, look at this thing, let's eat it, or if it was just a scavenged moose that died and they were just eating it because, hey, free meal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, through all of this, though, whales also have just an intense, these killer whales have an intense hatred of great white sharks. Mm -hmm. Like, they will go out of their way to hunt down great white sharks Jaws, the reason we are all so terrified to go say, in the water. Like, I feel like Jaws should really be about these guys. Yeah, these guys, they do it for fun. And uh, by the way, uh, they think that killer whales were one of the factors in the Megalodon going extinct. As was Thomas Jefferson. As was Thomas Jefferson. Because Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to blame him for just everything, I think. Now, um, it is very possible that killer whales working together could have hunted down and eaten megalodons. Megalodons were the big sharks Yeah, the, that were the bigger ju- than orcas. Yeah, they were bigger than orcas, but orcas take on things larger than themselves very frequently by working in groups. But sharks tend to also be in groups. Not these. These are okay. very lonely sharks. Megalodons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're like great white sharks, they're pretty much on their own all the time. Do we, but we don't know that. We don't know that for sure. Like, we mostly have teeth. They th- but... We think they could have they taken one on, but it's more likely that it's a combination of climate change and orcas and great white sharks competing for the same food and, and just doing it Thomas better. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, help them go extinct. Thomas Jefferson. So, but yeah. I don't know why I'm so mad at him because he actually was like, I mean, he actually believed everything was still alive. There's lots of reasons we should be mad at Thomas may- Jefferson. May- okay, maybe he is, in- maybe he killed the megalodons and that's why he just needed mastodons to be alive so badly so that he could he could assuage his guilt about over the ma- megalodons. Yeah. Ooh. When did megalodons go extinct? Really way before Two million that. years ago. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Jefferson was definitely alive. No, they just eat the choice bits of the shark too. They don't eat the entire thing. They'll just go in They'll eat the fins, the liver, the heart, the testicles, etc. And um, one scientist said they'll go in and just like eat the liver so precisely. It's like the liver makes up most of the shark's body. Whoa. And they They all have drinking problems. They think it's like it's like a squeezed out tube of toothpaste because they'll just chew a small incision in it and just eat the liver out. You know, my plan for my body was always that it would be eaten by sharks. But I think would a killer whale eat my body if I was dead already? Probably not. Would they eat a shark that had eaten me? Yeah, probably. Okay. Now, their like pred- predation of sharks is so bad that great white sharks will swim hundreds of miles away and abandon hunting territory for like an entire season if they detect killer whales. Like in 2009, 17 tagged great white sharks off the coast of California fled a steel hunting ground for almost a year after a pod of orcas passed through for a few hours. Yeah, it's fascinating watching what happens with the tagged animals. I need to check in on my elephant. I have a tagged oh. elephant that I bought a, necla- a, a bracelet, and I follow where she is, and she goes a long way. Ooh. Hey, chicken on her. Yeah, and uh, researchers actually did, like, they measured a noticeable spike in the seal population after this, where the, and in other areas where, like, orcas had come, th- come through and the sharks had fled. So some speculate that the whales might be doing this on purpose so that there are more seals for them to eat at a future date. <laughs> so it really shouldn't have been the sharks and the jets. It should have been the orcas and the jets. Yes. <laughs> 
I know. Are you? I'm imagining these guys like snapping their fins somehow right now. <laughs> I mean, they are kind of gangsters. I know. That's what I was thinking. Like they're doing this on purpose, and they're scaring away rival gangs for turf. So clearly, these super predators who rule like seventy percent of the world because they're in all of the oceans must be a major threat to people, right? Well, we've already established no because yeah, I've asked several they times. Are. There have been zero recorded deaths on attacks from people in the wild. Okay, though, Austin, it's like those stories where it's like, no one goes into the woods and comes back out to tell the tale. Well, then how do we know they went into the woods? Yeah, but like... How do we know what happened to them when they went into the woods if nobody's come out to tell the tale? Maybe, maybe that's what all these people are who like go out on a boat trip and don't come back happen. Like, it's either a Gilligan's Island situation or an orca showed up. Yep. Well, we don't think that's the case either because in thousands... Gilligan's Island didn't happen? Are you telling me Gilligan's Island is not real? Gilligan's Island isn't real. The Harlem Globetrotters confirmed it was just a TV show. No, they did not. The Harlem Globetrotters would never say something that hurtful. They would absolutely say something that hurtful. No, they would not. Just next thing you know, you're going to be telling me that the Harlem Globetrotters also said Scooby-Doo isn't real. Oh, I'm so sorry. Scooby-Doo isn't real either. I I have to go. I have to go. I need you to move. I I need to leave. Yeah, but this isn't, it's probably not a case like this because like even in folklore and legends of people who live in areas where uh, killer whales are, they don't like, they don't worry about them. Like even like a Tlingit uh, legend about killer whales says that a man carved, carved the first orca out of wood and he sent it to kill uh, two men who had wronged him. And so they went, so he told this whale that he carved that came to life, go kill these men because they like tried to kill me. So we went off and killed them, but the man felt so bad that he had sent this thing off to kill them that he ordered the killer whale to never eat, kill people again. And they have, and since then, that's why killer whales never attack people. So it's even like folklore that they don't attack people. They're not like the Tlingit who were like a fishing people in the water constantly had myths about how killer whales just don't attack people. Okay. So, you know, those images like photographers go underwater and they take photos of sea life up close. And they aren't always in cages. There was that one with that giant shark recently. Yeah. And like, he was sure he was going to get eaten and he was like perfectly comfortable with this fact because he figured that's how he was going to go, I guess. Could you free dive? With killer, with orcas. Yeah, fairly safely. It happens pretty often with like trained divers and biologists will do it. They don't recommend people who aren't because they're still wild animals and they can still hurt you, but they don't attack and eat people. Except for that one at SeaWorld. I'm going to get into that. You're getting ahead of me so much today. Well, I actually know a little bit about your topic for once. Yeah, but so they have this myth, but the real reasons are probably a bit more complex because orcas have a culture of sorts. Yes, clearly. We've observed them doing greeting rituals. They've got kind of like almost funerals of a sort. And like different pods have different styles of hunting, like depending on where they are and what they do. And we see that they teach these methods to other whales. So they kind of, they do have a culture. And so some people think that the orcas recognize people as thinking beings and won't eat us out of some type of respect because like, oh, they do stuff too. It's kind of, I think it's a taboo for them to eat us. No, because they would recognize that with dolphins as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, they will uh, punt baby dolphins for sport. Exactly. They would recognize that with dolphins. And that... there are also uh, lots of cases of uh, male killer whales drowning pups or calves. Yeah, calves. Because they just want to. Calf. Um, uh, calf killer whales. Yeah. So they'll, dr- they'll drown. You know, if I had to guess, my theory would be that they are like have cellular memory that humans kill them. And so they, and since these guys clearly are like capable of revenge, they probably know that we are too. Yeah. Or there's a, be- there's a theory that I kind of like. It's that people don't spend a lot of time in the water. 
they so they don't really have a taut way to hunt us. And then she sees like, oh, what's this thing? That's new. I don't know what this is. And then she's curiously because it's like, this might be dangerous. I'm not going to risk it. There's easier f- sources of food. And also they think they might not even recognize us as food because we are not part of their like taught hunting strategies. Like how to eat. Th- There's no one stopped them how to eat this thing. So they don't think of us as food. Okay. So when they clear the beaches though, because somebody saw a shark, do they do that with orcas? If no, they see an orca? they do not. And it's kind of like how, sure, like we as Americans, we could eat possums and raccoons and bugs i mean there's nothing stopping us some people us. do like yeah we could eat them but we don't some largely. people do some people do but by and large we don't uh, I, they think I it have... might just be a cultural like uh we don't eat that i have too much respect for possums and raccoons and too much of a healthy fear of bugs yeah so yeah that's they just don't eat people they don't attack them we're not completely sure why it's probably just because they probably don't attack people because they've never like they're not taught to See, I want to go with the epigenetics idea that they know from I, history that we are the one thing that can kill them. It's we've only been kill, we've only been able to kill them for like a couple of thousand years. It doesn't matter. I don't matter. think it would be a big. I don't think they would learn that by now. Remember, we we talked about this just the other day about how you know in just fifty years or so, human humanity, at least in the United States and other parts, in certain other parts of the world, we've discovered that we can no longer survive without air conditioning. Yeah. Where sixty years ago, the heat waves would have sucked, sure, but we would not have nearly high deaths. Because our bodies have already been like, oh, we have this already. We have this all the time. So Yeah. Now, you also might have noticed how I said in the wild. And Maddie also mentioned that there was that killer whale who's killed a lot of people. Well, that's because since the 1970s, there have been dozens of attacks on trainers in marine parks all over the world. And four deaths. Uh, The injuries uh, were from mild bruising and close calls with orcas either snapping at trainers or possibly accidentally like hitting them with a fin or like just bumping them really hard. Yeah, because in most cases there is some level of relationship as long as they have like a dedicated trainer. There is some level yeah. of relationship that is formed. But then there were other cases of near drownings where they drug their trainer under for minutes at a time or uh fractured spines or vicious bites one woman like nearly lost a limb and had like I think 25 stitches or just a lot where it grabbed her um and uh one man was crushed where you know how we were talking about free willy where it jumps over the kid yeah uh this guy one leapt out of the water and landed on him that's not a great uh, way to it go fractured his back ribs hips his pelvis and Wait, severely, you're telling me he lived severely broke his lower legs he lived but he had to learn to walk again several um, Wait, so, like it hit the bottom half of his body yeah so his, his head was not under his there. head was not. okay i was imagining like yeah he lived like he must have like tried to jump out of the way because mm-hmm. otherwise that should have landed on his head yeah he uh he had to learn to walk again and several like higher ups at SeaWorld lost their jobs over this uh and then wasn't there one that like he dragged her under the water in the oh, middle of a show oh yeah uh then there's famously the documentary blackfish where the orca tilikum uh killed two of trainers and a man who had snuck into his tank at night so out of the four deaths there was one in spain i think in like 2008 or 9 and then there was this whale who has killed three quarters of all the people recorded to have been killed by killer whales uh so SeaWorld actually has kind of come out against this documentary as they should but they claim a lot of the allegations of mistreatment of animals poor training of handlers and unsafe working working practices were exaggerated yeah and that is the thing remember with with documentaries and even even with our podcast if we're being honest there's always a slant yeah you go in in many cases wanting to be unbiased and by the end you have a bias kind of like 
Tiger King was actually supposed to be about something completely, well, not completely different, but it was supposed to just be a straightforward documentary, which is why we had the drug lord on there for like 30 seconds. And Doc was supposed to, like, they were supposed to get equal time, all four of them. And they didn't because they found an angle. And so I've never seen Blackfish because, I've, as I've already said, I love ocean life way too much to watch Blackfish. And I know it will upset me greatly. Yeah. Um, but I guarantee you, as with any documentary, something was exaggerated. Oh, yeah. Just like the whole Carol Baskin versus uh, Tiger King thing. I'm not going to get in into it, but the story is not... Com- he is guilty. Yeah. Um, but the story is he not... He did commit a crime. He committed a crime, but the story is not complete, so... Yeah. So anyway, uh, those were exaggerated, but the at- accounts of his attacks on tr- the trainers were pretty well documented and brutal. Like, in the first attack, um, it took them several hours before they could even safely retrieve the body. Mm-hmm. Because they were guarding it and playing with it still. And um, in the 2010 attack of uh, Don Brenchot, uh, she was actually partially scalped when he grabbed her by her ponytail and yanked her into the tank. That was the one that was during a show, right? During the show. Yeah. There's several recordings that people took of this. And uh, they dragged her under the water and he held her and viciously shook her. Yep. I remember Uh, that. That, What year was that? I remember that. 2010. Yeah. And when trainers tried to get her out of his mouth, he would not let go. So they had to pry his mouth open. And in the process, her arm became detached from her body. I remember that. Yep. Uh, The cause of death was ruled as multiple traumatic injuries and drowning. Hopefully it was fast because he was shaking her so much. Now, the documentary claims that his traumatic life in captivity was what led him to kill and his lack of socialization with other like killer whales drove him mad. And if, but if that was true, that would be happening across the board, not yeah. across the board, but with, I'd say a significant portion of the orcas who are in that situation. And it's not a significant portion that have that yep. happen. But I'm not saying he was well treated and that he should have been in captivity no. because neither. I, I don't think they should be in captivity. They should be in the wild. They're too big. It doesn't look and like it's a very happy life for them. No. But again, I'm not an expert. Well, I mean, imagine having to live in a bathtub and that's yeah. kind of what, or in a jacuzzi, I guess, would be mm. more our size, like by comparison. Yeah. And that doesn't, it doesn't look like a happy or comfortable life no so that's what the documentary says the larger scientific community disagrees uh they think it's just a mixed up because these you're spending more time with these whales in captivity than we are with any whale in the wild that just means there's more chance for them to do something and just general unpredictable animal behavior because these are still large predators and they will do large predator things yes uh we just have this more kind of like a personified view of killer whales because of we, free willy than we do of other animals that hurt their trainers like with tiger king no one thought oh my god these poor abused tigers no wonder they attacked that man i did yeah it's we, <laughs> we think there's we think of these animals as smarter and as like gentler so we don't really like view them as dangerous animals well, I mean, even though they are like we don't hear these stories like because we know you know tigers attack people in villages like we learned that from the time we we're little no matter how true or false it might be in terms of like grand scheme of things yeah and also these guys don't attack people normally yeah they don't so and as frightening as it is these attacks very close resemble the play of orcas in the wild yeah which means that there's a certain cellular memory thing happening mm-hmm. and we and people are just incredibly fragile as compared yeah. to a 20 foot plus multiple ton whale so and then there was the guy who sneaked into the tank yeah he just they found him uh drowned in the tank was he drunk they don't know they think he was mentally ill uh. So 
yeah, I guess in conclusion, uh, next time you hear Michael Jackson sing, Will You Be There? Which I guess is a song for Free Willy. Hey, I wrote down the title. Uh, just remember that that, that that is a dangerous predator that could have seriously hurt that kid. And also the orca in that movie was dangerous as well. <sighs> that was funny. There's also a documentary about that. <laughs> also, yeah, I, that we also haven't seen for uh, equally upsetting reasons. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. And then there were two more free willies. Yeah. Freeze willy. How would this happen? Like uh, freeze willies. Free, there were two. What would the plural of this be? Free willies. Oh, that just sounds dirty. Well, it's like, and there's only one willy, isn't there? Yeah. Okay. Also, what did they do to the whale that killed the three people? Where is it now? Uh, he's, uh, he has since died of natural causes. Cause like, what do you do with that whale at yeah, that point? You, Cause you can't put it in the wild. It doesn't have those skills. It can't survive in the wild. You can't. You can't just not have people feed it. Also, this was an important breeding whale. Yes, because we definitely want those genes passed on. I feel like there's something not quite right with that whale. And he was like one of the larger whales. He was a big attraction and they didn't just want to kill him because he was valuable. It's. Because like you, there's no place you, there's no, there's there's no way to put them anywhere. And all, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, have you ever seen videos of uh, sea creatures like whales and dolphins being moved? Yeah, on it's, trucks. It's traumatic. It's upsetting. Yeah, like, and that's not a, like that's not something you've got to watch a documentary for. Like, it's upsetting to watch it. I I could not have handled the blue whale being eaten by the orcas. I would have had to leave. I think. And Austin knows I can handle a lot. I would have been so I would have been so fascinated. Cause like, but also like imagine because there were kids on that tour. Oh yeah. And granted, you know, some kids are going to be fine. Like, we we don't give kids enough credit. Kids are actually a lot more resilient than we give them credit for. But I would have had nightmares for years. Oh, that's that's exactly my jam. I would have been so pumped to see you, that. You are all about deaths of endangered species? Like, just, no, it's like, wow, this is, like, one of the crazy things in nature that you just, like, no one ever sees. Yeah. That would have been so cool. I know. I logically know that. And I probably would have stayed and watched it, too. If but that poor dude running the tour, having to try to keep people calm uh, because and trying to figure out, like trying to radio back in, like, what do you want me to do? Because, you know, they needed to turn around. Mm-hmm. They needed to get people out of there. But those boats don't go that fast. And as again, this went on for hours. They followed it. Really? Yeah. Because, again, uh, there was a whale watching tour, but there was also lots of whale biologists involved. So it's like, oh, we okay. are absolutely following this. Okay. And I know these tours usually have some kind of indoor space where they probably told you, well, it's like, if you don't want to see what's happening, go mm. inside. So, yeah. So that that is my little segment on killer whales. Are you ready for questions? I'm horrified right now. Like, I'm legitimately traumatized at this moment. This is going to this is going to be remaining in my memory forever, Austin. You are adding to my trauma. Yeah, good. I'm so glad. It's a good segue. Hurry up. So, uh, questions. Uh, will the sport of seal tossing be on the test? <laughs> what grade level is this? <laughs> Kindergarten. Yes, absolutely. Good. That's why we don't scare play the, monkey in the middle, kids. kids. All right. Uh, the fact that captive orcas are deadlier to humans than wild ones be on the test? Actually, yeah, I think that would. Uh, will the sharks will just nope the fuck out if orcas even pass through beyond the test? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Like this is like some good wild, like, I don't, I don't know how much some of this would go in there, but the wildlife stuff, absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that three quarters of all known human deaths, uh, are from orcas are con- attributed to a single orca beyond the test. <laughs> Sorry. For a second, I thought you were going to leave out from orcas to just say three quarters of all human deaths are because of he's, one orca. He's been, he's been there. <laughs> He's like, all like you. You don't see him. It's the it's an orca ghost. <gasps> Trademark that movie idea. Orca ghost. It doesn't. It is no longer restrained by the already, need for the sea. There's already ghost shark where the same thing happens. So I don't um, know yeah, but this one will be chasing ghost shark. Oh, okay. I actually I'm didn't down. know ghost shark existed. Is yeah. that a real thing? It's a real movie. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. So that was my segment. Okay. Hey, look, Austin, you went for 45 minutes. You interrupted me for a good 10 minutes of that. Oh, shut up. That's what you do, too. Are you ready? I'm ready. So a few weeks ago, Austin and I were at my mom's house, and he made some comment about how I'm always right and how annoying it is that I'm always right. You don't even throw me a bone. Like, at least let me be right once. I don't have to let you be right. You just have to be right. <laughs> Holding me to these impossible standards isn't helping anyone. <laughs> okay, if I, if Austin, if you're not right, you're wrong. I don't follow. <laughs> well, my mom looked at him and said, that's not what you really have to watch out for. It's the fact that she never forgets anything. Now, I won't claim I actually remember everything, but I remember many things in like greater detail than the average person does. Like... When I was two, I my earliest memory is very clear, and it's of taking the Halloween class picture in my, in my preschool class. I had a Minnie Mouse head on. I remember what it sounded like. I remember thinking my friend's dinosaur costume was really cool. It looked kind of like the uh, like the dinosaur onesie that you have now, I love except that with thing. a higher up head. Um, I remember a dream I had when I was two or three. I remember entire conversations verbatim or as close to it as, you know, is possible. I remember facial expressions people had in certain moments. I don't remember names, dates, or phone numbers easily at all. But when something commits to my long-term memory, it commits. Yeah, like the only reason she knows what our anniversary is is because it's also the cat's birthday. Yeah, I don't know Austin's birthday or his phone number. <laughs> Meanwhile, I know your birthday and your phone number. Okay, your birthday is December 9th. You got it. Okay. It's always either the 9th or the 12th, and I can't remember which, and I feel you know, like... It's, you... it's always the 9th. <laughs> I feel like you changed it's it. Ne it's never been the 12th. I'm going to find your birth certificate and prove you wrong. <laughs> we have it downstairs. I'm going to prove you wrong. Well, I guess that's... I guess it's not my birth... It's my certificate of live birth. I guess I, it's not the one that they would accept if I was, like, you know, running for president and they were mad about it. <laughs> so today, I'm going to talk about these people who claim to have perfect memories and whether or not the whole perfect memory things exist. So you've probably heard of eidetic memories or photographic memories. For example, Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory repeatedly claimed to have an eidetic memory, and he said it meant that he remembered everything that had ever happened to him. But as we saw more than once on the show, and Austin even pointed this out, he does not remember everything, which is accurate for eidetic memory, photographic memory, and the third type of memory, which is called highly superior autobiographical memory, or H-S-A-M. H-S-A-M, highly superior autobiographical memory. So, oh, an H-S-A-M was initially called hyperthymesia. The guy, though, who, for lack of a better word, discovered this diagnosable condition, thought that sounded too much like a venereal disease. And insisted they change the name. You will see them used interchangeably, though. Some scientists prefer hyperthymesia because it sounds more official. Some prefer H-S-A-M. H-S-A-M. So eidetic memory and, pho and photographic memory are frequently used to mean the same thing. No one ever talks about H-S-A-M, but that's actually what they mean when they're talking about eidetic and, pho and photographic memory most of the time. They all have their own definitions, though. Eidetic memory lets you remember all the details of an image after seeing it for only a short time without using any kind of memory aid. They can also remember 
frequently some of the other details like what the room smelled like if what sounds there were things like that these memories don't last forever in most cases weirdly photographic memory is not about images at all it's about mem- memorizing remembering text numbers etc in extreme detail in a specific order again without the use of any memory aids like you don't have to memorize them on purpose or repeat them over your over and over to yourself or do some kind of even unconscious memorization you just remember them that's what they say People with eidetic memory are called eidetikers because, of course, they have to have a name. Eidetikers? Oh, that's the worst. I, I don't like them. Whereas most of us, when asked to see something in our mind's eye, we see it internally. Like, it is literally you close your eyes and you see the image. They see it externally. Like, it is playing in front of them. Ooh, weird. It is the same thing with HSAM for most people. Um, children have been shown to have more propensity for eidetic memory than adults up until about age 12. They believe this is because as kids develop the ability to use language, they lose the need to remember things through a strictly visual manner, and they can talk about things in the abstract more than in the concrete. So they no longer need to remember these things in extreme visual detail. And it's between 2 and 12% of kids between the ages of 6 and 12 are believed to have an eidetic, eidetic memory. That's that's a lot. That's more than I thought it would be. The, uh, with photographic memory, little to no evidence that this exists. Austin was in the middle of taking a drink. <laughs> Didn't come out my nose. I win. <laughs> they have found that even uh, within those who have eidetic memories, the memories are vivid but imperfect. The photographic memories almost definitely don't exist. Eidetic memories do exist... But they don't tend to be lifelong remembering every little moment. It tends to be just visual with some other stimuli around it. People accused of plagiarism, or of at least taking overall styles and ideas and arranging them in a similar order to others, often claim it was an accident caused by an eidetic or photographic memory. However, they simultaneously usually claim they have no memory of ever reading the work or hearing the music that they copied. Ah, but if you have a perfect memory, you remember that. Exactly. And one person who tried to claim Checkmate, this... fools. ...literally copied something like 36 pages. Okay, you no, 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 no. What's weird, though, except for her, because that was a lie, but um, they are sitting there saying all of this, there actually is... An actual scientific term for for what they did when they accidentally lifted something from someone else. It is called cryptonesia. Cryptonesia? Cryptomnesia. Okay, that sounds like a great name for an album. It has been studied in laboratories using one of my favorite games and by default, one of Austin's least favorite, Boggle. Uh. Now Austin once loved Boggle and then he had to play with me. (laughs) She's too good. She's She's just too good. They found people are more likely to remember the words they're they're playing on a computer. They are more likely to remember the words the computer played as their own than the words that were actually their own as their own, Um, which kind of seems reasonable. Like, I saw these words and you probably in some way weirdly focused more on the words that made you lose that rather than the ones that made you win that you made an attempt at. And you wanted to take on those positive things that you liked. Um, but that's just kind of my interpretation of, of the results. Obviously, we can't prove why people remember this as their own. But when you lift an entire work verbatim, I guess you'd be more creative and lie about having an eidetic or photographic memory. <laughs> so where eidetic and photographic memories are about specific external things, HSAM is autobiographical. So with eidetic and if it existed, photographic memory is kind of almost memorization. HSAM is autobiographical. However, they do still see it externally. Most of the time, there was one woman who um, I'll talk about here in a minute who talked about her life being a split screen in one eye. She is seeing what's actually there in the other eye. She is seeing her memories 
And apparently it's constant. Oh, that's horrifying. Yes. And so in the person who was interviewing her even said like she kept looking away like she was seeing something else in the room. That also that feels like it's something out of like a myth- mythology like, oh, this is I not I have Vidiria. I don't know. I can't think of Greek names right what? now. She's this is Greek lady name who has one eye that sees the present and one eye who sees the past. And she cursed. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about her because she's actually really important in this whole story. Okay. Um. So, like, this is where more where the whole she never forgets anything thing my mom said would come into play. But again, I am not in any way claiming I have this. I have a better than average autobiographical memory, but I do not have anything like what these people tend to have. This is an actual diagnosable condition with 60 people having been diagnosed with it. Now, I want to point out 60 people were diagnosed with it. Most of them. OK, I forgot to write down the date. Um, The first person was diagnosed with it um, by after sending an email asking for help, if that gives you how, any of how recent it was. And up until I want to say 2010, only two people have been diagnosed. Wow. Um, But I don't quote me on that because I forgot to write down the date. Jill Price, the one who saw things in split screen, says she can remember it what she was doing on any day, even if they weren't important things that happened. But interestingly, she started doing this on purpose. Uh, There were some major changes going on in her life and she was like 11 or so years old. Like her family was moving and everything was changing. And she just really wanted to hold on to the memories that were, you know, around her. So she started memorizing everything around her to the point where it just became like second nature. And she made lists. She would keep items like photographs, everything. This ultimately, though, led to her being the first ever diagnosed with highly superior autobiographical memory. She can remember the day of the week every day since 1980 and what she was doing that day. So she says, um, but like PTSD, it can be triggered. So sometimes she can control like what memory she's looking at. Sometimes it gets triggered and she goes to a certain memory. And that can be exhausting because she never knows when a memory will come on. The challenge, of course, is that she can't prove whether she was doing something on an exact day without evidence of some kind. She did keep journals this whole time. So they have more evidence than one would think. Um, I mean, obviously, there are people in the scientific community who raise questions about the veracity of these journals. I'm not saying I don't believe her. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, these are the questions that are being raised within the scientific community. How did you how were you able to prove that these were real journals from this time? How were you able to prove that, you know, she hadn't just memorized these journals, that even if they were real journals, like, how are you able to prove these were the questions that are being raised? Um, Regardless, though, she clearly has a very strong memory. And since she was so exhausted by all this, she reached out for help to Dr. James McGough, McGough, M-C-G-A-U-G-H. I think McGaw. Uh, to test her. Now, he originally said, he's like, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I can give you a referral. And she was like, no, I, she's like, I don't have the kind of problem they can help me with. And she kind of explained it to him. And he's someone driving by is all about that base. No trouble. Um, he was a, he's a neuroscientist, I believe. And so he's like, oh, that's weird. Okay, come in. Let's, let's talk about this. So he started giving her all these tests and she was so excited. She thought he was going to fix her and he, he can't. He, this is new. Um, and so she like thought she'd go in, he would have a fix, and he didn't. But he gave her a series of tests, uh, commonly used IQ and memory tests, as well as ones they created just for her, like asking her to remember the exact date of every Easter since 1980, because she is not Christian and therefore does not celebrate Easter. She was not perfect on these answers. She missed, I want to say, she missed one entirely and then was off by two days on another one. 
Wow. Here's where another question comes in, though. She was given the same test two years later and not only remember the dates, but remember what she was doing on those days, which is another thing people have brought questions about. It's like, OK, well, why did she not remember it then? But not only but now remembers not only was it this date, but her house smelled like ham that day. I'm not making that up. It's actually something that she wrote. Ooh. Um, like why did she like who had her journals at this point? Because the first time she went to the doctor, she was at, she asked her, should I bring my journals? And he was like, No, you'll just freak them out by having that many journals, <laughs> which is probably true. So who has the journals? Was she able to go back and memorize them? Had did she have copies of them? Like these are all questions. Again, I lean towards believing her. Yeah. Like, to be clear, Miss Price, I am not calling you a liar. Please don't sue me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, she's the least of our worries. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have the Michael Jackson estate going after me. So and killer whales everywhere. They're getting like they're like oh yeah they're getting their gang together. They're snapping their fingers. Normally I'm too far inland, but with like the this oceans rising Jesus and this Christ. hurricane, we might have oh my gosh, Sharknado is so ten years ago. Now we have to worry about Orcanado or the Orcacade. There we go. But then the other side of that too is okay. Now that she knows the dates, did that trigger the memories of everything else that was happening on that day? It's like, oh, okay, so that if that was April 4th. That was the day my house smelled like ham. So it could have just been now that she knows the date, she was able to remember it better. And then she remembered that date a couple years later. Um, she has the same ability to remember significant world events as the average person. So if you asked her what happened on, okay, a given date where something important happened, she has equal ability to remember that to anybody else. So if I asked you what day did the Oklahoma City bombing have? Oh, uh, I don't remember. It was in April of 1995. Okay. Um, I can't, I can't remember what day, but it was April 1995. She has the same ability to remember that as we do. But if it was something that's of importance to her, she has a much greater than average ability to remember it. So things like math formulas, she was never very good at, rem at remembering. But she is apparently a fucking champion at 60s and 70s TV show trivia. Wow. Yeah. And Austin's looking at me like, yes, that sounds like you. That does sound like you. <laughs> And so she, and the, but the things she remembers, the things that were important, she remembers in excruciating detail. And I do mean excruciating. It's like, and I have some of that too. I have certain memories that are literally painful to me, especially if they come without prompting, like they're triggered. Um, as I was typing this, the memory of my second grade teacher purposely locking me out of the classroom popped into my head. I was my second day. She had had a sub the first day. She gave me the special treat of going to check the weather outside and didn't tell me that there was a knob on the outside. I knocked on the door and she told the class to not let me back in. That's awful. And that is the short version of the story. It's a horrible, horrible thing that this horrible, horrible woman who I believe is still a teacher um did to a child on her second day at a brand new school mm -hmm. i could tell you every detail of what happened from the moment i left the classroom to go check the weather to the moment i somehow managed to get back into her room with the help of another teacher half the school away who heard my banging and actually opened the door i would bang on my own classroom door they were five or six doors down bitch i remember you i remember what you look like i remember what you were wearing and i am taller than you now for sure and would i have i will not hesitate to punch you i got your back it's like you're somebody who to this day needs to get punched for what you did to an eight-year-old and she, that was not the last time she did something like that to me she was horrible so it's not the great memories that stick around the strongest um and when reading through price's autobiographical memories you can see this is the case with her as well um most of them aren't true horrors like that moment because most of us don't have just that in our lives but yeah. a lot of hers are pretty negative like mildly negative and that is a normal thing for humans we remember the negative moments more clearly than the positive not because of a lack of self-confidence which is what people like to say but because it's our brains going this is a danger we need to remember the danger we don't need to remember the good things as much other than like where the fresh water is <laughs> the answer is in the sink that i replaced 
Bravo. Anyway, Price has talked about certain things that she knows she doesn't remember better than anybody else. She remembers things that interest her, and she knows her memory is selective. Ask her what she was wearing in a moment unrelated to anything she cared about, and she can't remember it. Ask her to memorize a list of things she'll look at and go, I can't memorize that. Like, she knows her (laughs) limitations. However, she can't, like, in the moment, select what memory is going to stick. Because in the moment, you don't know what memory is going to be important or relevant to you. And she also doesn't have total control over when the memories come back. So after publishing a paper about her, the Dr. McGow... McGaw began to get emails from other people who thought they were like Price. And the more than slowly over the next several years, people began to get the diagnosis. I couldn't get the full statistics on this, but a lot of them work in performing arts, public speaking, or another visual performative pursuit. For instance, Price herself is a um, works in screenwriting for television and movies. Um, I can't remember what exact title she has. Mary Lou Henner, a.k.a. Aurora Tea Garden's mom from our favorite show yeah. ever, also has this. Must be great for memorizing lines. It's it's not. Remember that? Because oh, yeah. you can't remember short. You can't remember lists and things like that. It's I think with actors and a lot of them are actors. Um, or their radio personalities, you know, or newscasters, something where they have to be able to put on an emotion right away. They're easily able to go back to a time where they felt the emotion they're supposed to be showing. And they're able to show it because they remember what it felt like at that moment, which is something actors are trained to do. But if you have this kind of memory and you're like Mary Lou Henner and have to act, you're just immediately there. You call it the memory of that time that your dog died. And now you have the feelings that go along with that and you're able to put them on screen. Um, and then there are ones who are public speakers. Like they're able, and they, do, they work in things where you have to be able to relate to a large group of people at once because you can feel everything they're feeling. Because you remember when you felt that way yourself. Like it's kind of fascinating. But there weren't statistics because not all of them have been named. They talk about how these memories aren't just memories. They are literally reliving them when they happen. And I feel that way, too, when these types of memories pop into my head. But I can't tell you the exact day of the week most of them were or anything like that. I was telling Austin, the one thing I'm pretty sure of is that the only time I've ever seen the movie The Prestige was on March 2nd, 2007. And it was not worth it. How is that something you remember so clearly? But you can't remember my birthday. Because it was two days before my birthday. And it was backstage oh. during a show, and you came to see the show on closing night. I remember because I you were in my apartment because it was my 21st birthday, and that was not the night we realized I was allergic to beer, but it was definitely the night where we realized I have a real bad reaction to it. Yeah, you were so sick. Don't drink, kids. Don't, Don't drink. drink. <laughs> or do. Don't. Do so responsibly. Yes. And uh, if you feel like something might give you an allergic reaction, stop drinking it. They have found that people with this diagnosis, though, have a more active pathway between the front and back of their brains than the average person does. There seems to be increases in the parahippocampal gyrus, which sur- surrounds the hippocampus and involves is involved in memory retrieval and encoding, and also seems to inv- uh, pull the emotional elements into memories. Damage to that area can make people unable to recognize entire scenes, but able to recognize specific things in it. So if you show them a photo of an office... They could be like, there is a chair, there is a copier, there is a cubicle wall, but they could not tell you they're looking at an office. Um, and when it's malformed, like one side is bigger than the other, it seems to be linked to schizophrenia. But with an increase, whatever exactly that means, it wasn't clear, seems to be linked to HSAM. The same goes for the uncinate fascicle. I don't know. 
which connects the frontal and temporal temporal portions of the brain, which are also involved in memory retention regarding specific situations. So you've got kind of your overall memory section working over time and your specific situation memory portion working over time. Despite these structural differences, though, nobody really knows why some people have this kind of memory because they have seen this memory in other this formations in other types of people whose job it is to memorize things. Hmm. The ones they looked at was London taxi drivers. Oh, yeah. They have to like memorize like everything. Yeah. So they and their brains were formed similarly to people who have this kind of memory, but they do not have this autobiographical memory. Parts of their brain were enlarged, parts were shrunk in similar ways to the people with this. Um, so are these changes in formation cause or effect? Which brings us back to, are people in the performing arts more likely to have this because they've spent so much of their lives using their memories to play emotions well? Do they keep having to relieve, relive emotions over and over and over and over, making it an effect and not a cause? Ooh. They've also found people who are incredibly anxious about losing their memories are more likely to have their brains formed like this and to have HSAM. And people who have some suffered trauma, not head trauma, but emotional trauma, people with PTSD, things like that, more likely to have HSAM. So I'd be willing to bet there are way more than 60 people out there who have this. But one of the people they interviewed about it, he was the second or third one diagnosed. He actually said, I didn't think this was weird. I thought everybody thought like this. He's like, I have red hair. I knew that was unusual. I have left hand. I knew that was unusual. I knew that my memory was better than a lot of people's. I didn't realize this was something that needed to be diagnosed. Yeah, because like this is just a part of who you are. You don't think it's weird. Yeah, I've had that point. Like when I tell people stories from my own life, they're like, do you understand how bizarre your life has been? I'm like, what are you talking? It's just my life. Like, you don't realize how weird your own life is until someone else points it out to you. Um, and interestingly, some theorize that people with this type of memory have OCD or something similar. And there are the same parts of the brain involved with that as well. Like, they have noticed enlargements on parts of the brain that regulate o that deal with OCD in people who have this as well. Now, Price says that, no, we don't go back and obsessively or compulsively remember our memory, do go through these memories. We don't want to do it. However, the physical formation of the brain shows something different, which is that the caudate nucleus is enlarged, and that is the part of the brain linked to OCD. Now, I've mentioned both of these things on the show before. I have OCD and PTSD. So the fact if these two are related to having strong memories, again, not saying I have this magical thing. I just I have a strong memory for long term memories. Um, if these are all linked, it makes sense that I would have a strong memory because, dear Lord, between trauma and obsessive compulsive... You've got a lot going on. Yeah. They've also, though, found that people with this condition, just like everybody else, have incorrect memories. They conflate different things together, and they're just as likely to believe false memories as people without HSAM. Ooh. If you imprint something on them. Now, again, but then again, though, they were using videos that were not intensely personal to the person to test these in most cases, and that is part of the issue. You, if you don't know what's going to be personal to somebody, you can't accurately test this. And also, like, the ethical implications of implanting memories on someone with something that is close and personal to them. Yes. That's, that is not ethical. Like, one of the things they did was, like, how many teacups were on the table in this scene? Uh, kind of like that video we watched with the gorilla. Oh, yeah. And they're like, how many teacups were on the table? And one was like, I don't know. I didn't I didn't remember seeing any teacups. One of them was like nine teacups. And they're like, yeah, there was one. And Austin and I were watching this thing. And they were like, watch the basketball. And then they got to the end. And they go, did you see the gorilla? And I said, yes. And Austin said, no. <laughs> and he was like, what gorilla? I'm like, the one that was in the way. <laughs> 
because you know you all you remember and you see things differently depending on what you're focused on. Meanwhile, I'm like sitting there trying to focus on this fucking basketball, and all of a sudden there's this gorilla in the middle. I I feel and... like we owe the audience a little context to this, but I say we don't, no. and we just let it go and let them like wonder what the fuck we're talking about. I can't believe that I saw the gorilla and you didn't because you are usually much more observant than I am. But I was really intent on counting the number of times that ball was thrown. And I yeah. got it right. Yes, you did. So did you. Somehow you just didn't see the gorilla. But as far as they can tell, uh, memories that the people do have are much clearer for much longer periods of time. And they do not pull up old memories in a different way than anybody else. They just pull them up better. So if you if I, if they were to ask you what your Halloween costume was in first grade do you remember yours ninja ninja um mine was a ballerina and i believe that was the year though where i originally insisted i wanted to be a cheerleader my grandmother made me an entire costume and then i decided at the last second i wanted to be a ballerina and did that instead because i was uh i would have kicked my ass (laughs) yeah Man, no wonder your grandma says all those mean things about you to oh my, me. No, she doesn't. All the time. It's like, no. She texts me. My grandma uh, doesn't text. Well, not you. She can text. I will give her that. She can text, but she still has one of those phones that would do T9. So what's even the point? Yeah. So let's talk about the downside to having your memories. Because it does, they kept calling it a gift. Everything was like, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. These people are gifted. First of all, there doesn't seem to be any real correlation between this ability and intelligence. And plus, I mean, a gift doesn't have to be a good thing. I mean, sometimes you get... Sometimes you bring people the gift of smallpox blankets. Yeah. No, and it depends on the person you ask, whether or not they think this is a gift or a burden or a combination of the two. Um, Price, for the most part, seems to just want it gone. Um, Mary Lou Henner loves it. They asked a 10-year-old who has it, who would be about 17 now, what the worst part was. And he said it's remembering every bad thing that has ever happened to him. He says that he can wake up on a specific day and be upset all day because of something that had happened on that specific day in a previous year. Poor kid. Price says the same thing, but she's older. like She's a grown-ass woman, um, which means that she remembers every choice she's ever made that had a significant impact on her life, and she regrets a lot of things as a result. Oh, no. Kind of like the Robert Frost poem, but not at all because it was a lie. (laughs) Listen to last week's episode. Meanwhile, I'm here like head empty, no thoughts, can't lose. (laughs) <laughs> so um also downside people with this also often show some kind of executive functioning issues or anomalous lateralization executive functioning in simple terms is the ability to take information promptly evaluate it and respond appropriately so something happens you understand it you decide what your response should be and you respond the way you are expected to respond People with executive functioning disorders have some part of that go wrong. Usually, for many people, it's the taking it in quickly enough. Sometimes it is the emotional response. Sometimes it's all the way through. ADHD is a really good example of something that gives challenges with executive functioning. Another thing I have! (laughs) Although I did not have that until I was in my mid-20s. Take fevers seriously. Uh, To be honest, I'd have to do more digging to fully understand anomalous lateralization. Uh, I actually said them like, Austin, what do these words mean? And he was like, I know what those words mean separately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems to have to do with asymmetry between the left and right sides of the brain or the amounts of activity on either side, sometimes connected with depression, schizophrenia, Tourette's, ADHD, OCD, and manic behaviors. But again, I'm not entirely clear on how any of it works, what it means, and don't quote me. But it does seem like people who have... Uh, 
anomalous lateralization tend to be left-handed more often. Huh. Not universally, just Neat. tend to. I always wanted to be left-handed. Why? It seems like it's just more difficult. I just wanted to be special, damn it. You're very special. Now, this whole thing, though, is not without controversy. Yes, this is something you can get diagnosed with. Yes, there is a specific set of tests you have to take. But a lot of experts are on the opposing side saying these people are tricking you consciously or unconsciously. They're not saying that they're actively going, I'm going to trick you. They're saying that these people are probably unconsciously using mnemonic devices to help them remember things. So they're just unconsciously remembering things better. Well, it, they are unconsciously practicing. Oh, okay. Is what it comes down to. They are unconsciously rehearsing things that have happened in their head over and over and over. Um, and we know for we talked about this when we were I wasn't even planning on doing this episode. The um, the people who can remember days of the week over many years, those tend to be also people who are very good at math or poker. And they understand how how these things work. They just kind of do the, they do the math real fast, basically. People who memorize years and years and years and years and years of sports scores. They often aren't doing it intentionally. I have the entirety of the Princess Bride memorized. Did not do it intentionally, but often can vouch for the fact that I have the entire movie memorized. Spoke along the entire movie. It was crazy. Very yeah. impressive. Um, to be clear, when we went to see it in theaters, I did not do that. She did sing along to it, though. I... <laughs> Every musical number in that movie, she sang along. Actually, they are working on a musical. Oh, no. For the stage. Yeah. Now, this also, this whole thing may sound like savant syndrome. Now, if you saw Rain Man, you know what savant syndrome is. Savant syndrome, though, typically involves one, maybe two exceptional skills and rarely any kind of autobiographical portion of it. About one in 10 to one in 200 people on the autism spectrum have some form of savant syndrome. But Rain Man made it seem like all of them are supposed to. And that is part of why there's controversy over whether or not autism even exists. Because if they're not acting like Dustin Hoffman, then it must not be autism. Oh, but acting like Dustin Hoffman doesn't mean you're autistic. It means you're an asshole. No, you're thinking of Sean Penn. I am thinking of Sean Penn. I always confuse the two as well. <gasps> oh, wow. Look at us getting Dustin Hoffman and Sean Penn mixed up. But Rain Man, like, Rain Man was kind of culture's first real introduction to autism, though. Yeah. Uh, and here, uh, so yes, people do have Savant Syndrome. That is a real thing. They are able to do things like memorize all the sports scores and name the days of the week. Not everybody with savant syndrome has autism. Not everybody with autism has savant syndrome. And not everybody who memorizes these types of things has savant syndrome. It's a very comp Memory is a weird thing. Yes, it is. But the difference between HSAM and savant syndrome is savant syndrome is not autobiographical and it's usually focused on one thing. HSAM is autobiographical and focuses on many things. And here's another interesting thing that I found right before I was wrapping this up. COVID. COVID. Quarantine. Time has no meaning for you or me, does it? Does not. Everything was a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it was... Yeah, we were actually just talking about that a couple weeks ago. I was like, whether it was last... Whether it was like June 2020 or July 2021, it was always a couple weeks ago. Time has no meaning. So what about people with HSAM? Oh, no. What do you think has happened? I just want to know what your thoughts are before I go into it. They are not handling it well. Their HSAM memories have stopped. What? For the year. Not universally, not like, and but be, if they are working from home and they've been, or they've been quarantined. So if they've been in their home since last March or so, every day has been so similar that they are not differentiating the days or forming specific memories of specific days often. Not never, but if you ask them what they were doing on June 21st, 2020, chances are they have no idea. They don't remember what they were wearing. They don't remember what they did. Unless something significant happened that day, these memories are not being formed because nothing interesting has happened. Wow. 
That might explain why 2021 has just flown by. Like, it's almost September. Yeah, and that's part of it, too. Like, at least 2020 was new. Yeah. Now we're kind of, our brains are over it, and so we're just like, move on, fast forward, fast forward. forward. But that begs the question, are people with HSAM more likely to have lived exciting lives to begin with? Huh. And exciting can mean, it doesn't have to mean positive. Just more stuff happened. So yeah, people they found who have this diagnosis for the last year and a half have not formed this kind of memories to speak of. No one is entirely sure why this, uh, why some people have stronger long-term memories than others. The OG studier of this, Dr. McGraw, uh, um, is in his mid-80s now, and he is retiring. And he really just is insisting people keep studying this because he thinks, he's not sure, but he thinks that this might be the key to unlocking Alzheimer's. However, there are other people who say, yes, this is real, but it's a different way your, uh, your memory works than the average person. We need to focus on the average person. And then there are people who say this isn't real at all. Um, and then there's, of course, a hard way. It's hard to find enough people to study um, because a lot of people think they have this and don't. Because, you know, the episode of Scrubs where a, fl- a strain of flu comes in and they're all like, oh, shit, because then the ER gets filled up because everybody thinks they have the flu. Yeah. Well, this this all starts coming out. People start hearing about it. They realize they have really good memories. This is a nice thing. This makes them special. This gets them on TV. This lets them write an autobiography. This makes them famous. More people show up than show up at the ER. So they've had to do some extreme screening methods. So they probably have missed some. Um, and if you were to go online and look for a photographic memory or eidetic memory test, they are both there. There is no a HSAM test online because there is no way to figure that out. There used to be one and it was a scientist who was studying it and you were applying to be a part of his study if you filled out this quiz. It is gone now because he is done. At least he's done with that portion. So does anyone have a perfect memory? No. The answer is unequivocally no. No matter if someone has an eidetic memory, a photographic memory, which doesn't exist, or HSAM, all of them have proven to have flaws. Yeah, because having a perfect memory, like, there's so much information we're taking in that, like, we even forget as we're, like, looking at something. Like, our brain is only paying attention to, like, a slim portion of everything we're seeing or hearing or smelling. And our short-term memory is completely different from our long-term memory. And also, remember, your eyes are not looking straight ahead. Your eyes are constantly moving and filling in gaps. So we are constantly inventing the world around us based on what we're pretty sure is there. Yeah. Our brains are crazy. Our eyes are crazy. Like, honestly, I could go on for days about how memories form. Like, I, I love it. I love this yeah. whole topic. Um, we are just imperfect sacks of meat trying our best, guys. Pretty much. And uh, clearly orcas are smarter than us because they remember everything. And, and also this whole time, feet. every time I've had to say, remember everything, I have wanted to break into paradise by the dashboard light and I haven't. And I think you should all be very proud of me. Ooh, we should have meatloaf again this week. Are you ready for your question? I'm ready for questions. Will this be on the test? There isn't any evidence of the existence of photographic memory. Yes, that will be on the test. Eidetic memory doesn't mean you remember every moment of your life. Yes, that will be on the test. HSAM is the closest anyone seems to get to remembering every minute of their lives. No, because that's just a confusing thing. (laughs) There is no evidence that anyone has a totally perfect memory. Yes, that will be on the test. And you shouldn't overload doctors and scientists every time you feel a sniffle or want to feel special. Absolutely, especially if you're doing like some sort of milk crate challenge. Oh my god. Which I feel like I shouldn't even say that because that might get us blocked on certain We are saying don't do the milk crate challenge. Don't do the milk crate challenge. I have fallen off of way less to unstable things than that. Also, I find it funny that we're having a test about how memory a memorization based test on how memorization is imperfect. Mm-hmm. 
I find that... Well, at the beginning... Alanis Morissette would say this is ironic. I remember at the beginning when I forgot our own intro to this, and that was not planned. That was just me being an idiot. I have forgotten my own name when introducing myself to group myself to large groups of people three times. Three times. But I do think that's in part because I both go by Maddie and by Sarah, and I'm trying to, like, in the moment decide which one I want the group to call me. The answer almost universally is I want to go by Maddie, but it's confusing because people are not used to someone, to a girl, going by a nickname that has nothing to do with their first name. Really, I also remember that time where you were speaking and you panicked and forgot your name and you introduced yourself as um, Leslie Monster. If the joke isn't formed, don't start the joke. Never! (laughs) I just start talking and hope I'll get there. I'm like Michael Scott. And then he wonders why he's wrong so often. I'm never wrong. I'm just less right sometimes. <laughs> oh, boy. So you had a real bummer section. I thought it was great. I had a section that had its ups and downs. Um, guys, I saved you. I originally had several of my very clear memories written down. And I had the entire story of my second grade teacher locking me out of the classroom written down. It's so sad. It's awful and not the worst thing that bitch did to me. Um. And also not nearly as bad as what next year's teacher did to me. Mm. But yeah, parents, if your kids ever come home and tell you their teacher did something like that, believe them. And remember, that just gave their entire class permission to bully them. That saying, act like me towards this kid. So take them seriously, do something about it, and kick that bitch's ass. And I don't know, just let Oklahoma sink into the sea, That was not Oklahoma. Oh, that was it. That was Kansas. Oh, yeah. That was Kansas. Let Kansas sink back into the sea, because this used to be ocean. Oh, wait, but this is ocean again. The killer whales will get me. I can name the school. I could drive you to that school right now. I could take you to that classroom right now, and if she is still there, I could punch her in the face right now, and I do believe she still teaches at that specific school. Don't punch her in the face. We'll get a sock full of potatoes and we'll hit her with that so it won't really bruise us. And then she's also one of those teachers that would make you give her hugs. Gross. Yeah, teachers don't do that. That's that's gross. No, thank you. So where can people find us other than absolutely not forcing children to hug us? Well, they can find us on uh, Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on Instagram at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OnTheTestPod, and our own website now with... Uh, transcriptions on the test. No, it does not have transcriptions yet. Oh, it doesn't. I have, I have, okay guys, I have transcriptions for every episode. I've done it. I'm trying to move our word, our, our website over to WordPress. So far, it's not letting me move the blog. So I am not uploading things to the blog until I know I can move them or I can upload them directly. So it's not that we do not want to be accessible. It's that I am moving things and I don't want to spend years of my life doing this. Transcriptions coming soon. There we go. Hopefully. (laughs) Soon, TM. What? It's an internet thing where soon means soon or never. Why are you trademarking it? Because it's a thing that's said on the internet sometimes. It's funny. It's not. You're just looking at me. I don't understand. It's okay. You don't have to understand. (laughs) Yeah, so you can find us on all of those places. We are here for your listening enjoyment every Tuesday. We are going to be taking a break in a few weeks. Yeah, um, taking a break after episode 100. Yeah, I think after episode 100, we're going to take a couple of weeks off, kind of regroup, uh, get everything, get anything squared away. We did this after episode 52, I believe. Yeah. After we've been, after we've been doing it for a year. Um, and we use that time to kind of figure out what's going well, what can be improved. So please go on to the iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review, and if you don't like us, don't give us a poor rating and review, because I will cry. But if you have suggestions mm-hmm. or thoughts about anything else, 
Tweet us. Yeah, we did get one suggestion that I think I'm going to have to, one of us should go into next week. Um, I have another one that we got suggested that I've just have had back in my mind for almost a year. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about it. I've got a couple of books. I'm re- like, guys, we are, we're only going to be gone for a couple of weeks. We're not yeah. one of those like podcasts. Like we're only going to be gone for a couple of weeks and then not um, because we love our 16 listeners right. <laughs> and we would love to have that number go up and up and up. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, give us ratings from your parents' phones as you're trying to fix them for them. The iTunes reviews are way too powerful. Also, if you are giving us a rating, make sure you are rating the correct. Will this be on the test? Because I mean, you're listening to us right now. You should know which one. Well, it is. they're not necessarily on iTunes. They might have yeah. to do what I do and get onto an old iPhone and to rate us. Make sure you're rating the correct one, please, because a couple more have come out and it's a bummer. So make sure you're rating the one that has the statue face palming. That is our current logo. And if that is not our logo at some point in the future, I will mention it. Yep. Um, all right. So we are going to go watch an episode of Them and Clean because my allergies are going crazy. Oh, boy. We're having such fun. Adulthood is awesome. It's it's fine, I guess. And on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed.